0: Welcome back to this week's tapping up podcast with myself, Daryl, and as always, Ian. I think one of us is going to be a little bit more chirpy during this uh, this episode. We won't go straight into it though, because a um, few bit, bits of pieces to go into first. Um can I start with UFC? Crack on. Uh, okay, I'll uh, I'll go first. Cause I know you've got a few points to make um, just from the early discussions we had, but um, quick preview of UFC two eight one for me. I know that it's not this weekend it's
1: not until uh, is it 13th of November. I think was even a, is there a fight night this weekend? There might even be is a there? fight night in between oh, I think I'm, yeah. I haven't even checked fight on. night's come thick and fast say, know, these yeah. days. It's the
0: casual in me that's not uh, not paying attention but yeah a few bits and pieces um obviously had a big title fight against Pereira. Um looking to add, obviously his name to his ridiculous resume at moment. Um Madison Square Garden I think it is.
1: The biggest... I tell you what, that is not an easy fight. I mean, did you see that he came out this week and said Adesanya said, it doesn't even matter about the belt, it's about beating uh, beating him. Yeah. Now, for people that don't know, um, Pereira has two wins over uh, Adesanya in kickboxing. I think people underestimate, because he's a latecomer to MMA, Pereira, what a bad fucking man this guy is and how how heavy his hands are and how savage his kicks are so he's he's won a decision and he knocked Adesanya out in Muay Thai so this is this is serious for Adesanya this is probably aside from going up when he fought for the 205 belt biggest challenge of his career I would say so the question that I had for you on this and again
0: this is something I'm sure we'll cover in a lot more detail next week Um, if the last style bender did win what's next? Because it seems like he's beaten most top guys in the division some twice. What what does he go on to do next?
1: It's a good question. I think he's pretty much cleaned out which is one of the reasons why it's a bit of an exciting fight is because he's pretty much cleaned out the rest of the division. Uh, He's taken out um, Whitaker twice who, you know, ruled over the division uh, with an iron fist before Adesanya. The logical and obvious solution would be go up but the humbling he took against the bigger man in terms of Jan Bukowski, I believe it is. Our, 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 my Polish is never the greatest pronunciation. Uh, I think probably served as a bit of a lesson to him of he's bitten off more than he could chew. Now, the one, one thing just to throw out there, if he was trying to uh, be a bit of a multi-weight champ, he's, not the, he's a big boy, but he's not thick in terms of Adesanya. Could he cut to 170? Would he want to? No one wants to ever cut weight, so I, I think you yeah, no would be the answer. If he wanted to be a multi weight, in my humble opinion, he'd have a better chance of being the bigger man and beating people at 170 than being an undersized light heavyweight at 205. You've obviously got Leon Edwards at uh current uh welterweight champ. Now it looks like that that's going to be a rematch against Usman does um, Adesanya throw his name into the, the ring for that and say look I can cut 15, po- 15 pounds whilst a hell of a lot is doable and a lot of people used to do that in a day in the sauna that is not a, a, an unachievable weight cut um, so has he ever thought it out that
0: before?
1: don't think so but that will be the worry He didn't have to... I mean, I think he cuts a little bit of weight to get to middleweight, but that was one of the things he said that he enjoyed. He could eat... I think he was eating pizza and burgers and stuff when he fought at light heavyweight. He was undersized. I think he weighed in at the 205 limit at like 195, 196 from memory, maybe 197. So he's undersized. So it's, it's achievable. And let's be honest, that is a man that's got an iron will as well. So I'm telling you, if someone could do it, he could.
0: Okay, well... As I say, we'll definitely go into it a bit more uh, detail next week because I know that that'll be something that you'll be wanting to get your uh, your claws into. Um, the only other fight on that card that I want to highlight a little bit earlier is Poirier and Chandler. Um, that's probably the one that I'm looking forward to more than the, the rest of the card because to be honest, it looks like they actually dislike each other, like a genuine dislike and I always seem to enjoy these fights a bit more where it's basically two guys who just think, you know what? I fucking hate this guy. I want to go... Kick the shit out of him, and it's live on TV for our entertainment. So,
1: very good scrap again. Both, you know, probably easily. I mean, porier has got to be top three. Chandler close top, both top five easily in terms of um, uh, the the, the light weights that, that uh, the weight class they're fighting at. Um, title implications for sure. So, um, I mean, both lost. have lost. I fought for the title and lost so um, maybe getting a second go uh, against um, who's that, that's lightweight who's the current lightweight chat? Um, Makalev, so um, both, I'm not sure have necessarily fought Makalev, I'm not sure in fact I don't think either of them has, but they've both lost at the title before, I'm not sure either of them will fancy that fight either
0: I was going to say, and, and Makalev, um, we discussed this last week didn't we, it doesn't look like he's going to be fighting at his division, Um well, fighting for the title of his division at this point in time because it looks like it's going to be um, Volkanovsky.
1: But that will be for the title of his division, will it? That was the benefit we're saying. Volkanovski will go up to 155 to fight for the lightweight title. So if Volkanovsky loses, he goes back down, still has his 145 champ, but if he wins, he has both belts and becomes one of the rare breed that there are of the two, the the, the champ limited champ. champ champs, indeed. Um, so... Um, good card. Um, funnily enough, one of the points I've got on that is it comes out quite sad. Uh, Frankie Edgar, a uh, long-time stalwart in the UFC, is fighting um, a chap called Chris Gutierrez, uh, and he's come out and said, which I never think is a good sign, and maybe what well, it's the sign of a fighter's head, he's going to retire after the fight. So 281 will be his last fight. Uh, Edgar's been around in the UFC, got to be 10, 15 years. He, again, for anyone that hasn't watched he had a trilogy of fights with a chap called Grey Maynard, which are amazing lightweight fights for the title he was the lightweight champ so at 155 and he even dropped and fought for the title at 145 uh, for a prolonged period as well an elite fighter 40 years of age and uh, good luck to him but I, I never think personally it's a good thing to be I'm going to retire after that fight it feels a little bit excuses You're on you get, yeah. you've already accepted it I think the better way would be not to disclose that until you've had the fight in my own view but good luck to him and uh, I've enjoyed watching him over the years
0: Just moving on to more recent um, events Arnold Allen um, did win his fight against Keita obviously anyone that's watched this if always a disappointing end when it's some sort of injury that ends the fight and it, it was shaping up to be quite good uh alan seemed to have the the better of, of care in the first round and then he goes for a flying knee and just whatever happens i'm not sure if it's come out exactly what the injury is it's definitely something to do with his knee regardless um but he has come out and uh jokingly called for a injuring featherweight title fight uh with uh, rodriguez because i think rodriguez was it ortega they fought, and Ortega suffered a shoulder injury. So
1: exactly the same happened. Exactly, yeah.
0: Um, and just on what we were saying, there looks like Volkanovski is going to be wanting to be a two-weight champion, moving up to fight Makalev for the lightweight title. And it, it makes much more sense that while that's happening, the division doesn't stand still. So you go for the uh, interim title, and of course, whatever happens in that. Let's say Volkanovski does lose and then comes back to fight for the title, you've got someone willing and uh, and ready and able.
1: Agreed, and I think it makes... I, I like the, the spin he's put on it, the injure him. Oh, uh, that's that's quite clever. And he, he's looked good, uh, obviously, a, a, a British prospect uh, Arnold. But um, I, I don't think any real fighter wants to win in that manner, to see their a fellow professional injured... It's very inconclusive particularly that early after just the. in the second round I think When it's yeah he suffered
0: the injury in the first round but the second round it was if
1: it's like the third round or it was even a five round fight and it's very clear who the winner is it's a bit different but when it's you know uh, that early on I don't think it's particularly um, palatable for a, for a fighter to, to win or lose in that manner the only point I would add on to what you said is that's a bullshit interim title for me I I I get the UFC and they give people what they want. You can't create a belt because your champ's taking on another division for me. Interims kick in, and where I like them in the UFC is if the champ is out for a sustained period of an injury. That's where I think they're a bit more clever than boxing. I'm not a fan of, well, the real champ's tied up and got his eyes on a bigger prize, so we'll make this shitty little interim. On the hope that he comes back. So for me, why not just have that as a number one contender fight? That's what it
0: is, isn't it? It's basically exactly that. It's a fake belt to say I'm the number one contender. And I don't think anyone who is an interim champion can really call themselves a champion. I don't think... Has anyone ever done that? Has anyone ever said, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm the champion here, even though it's an interim? Um,
1: obviously, it always depends You'd on... You'd be fucking surprised, mate. when you hear champ, people get... You know, this is, this is the world of alpha fucking males. The big dogs... Anything that represents a belt, people are throwing it in your face. I'm the champ. So, um, like a BMF. <laughs> that, that that was a good. That, that's bullshit title, isn't it? Complete bullshit title. That, that one was for the fans. I mean, again, they've never fought for it ever since. That 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 should be one for me. That they kept in circulation. So you know, from bad motherfucker to bad motherfucker, that carries on because that was the one. That's the one. In fact, I'm going to go completely against myself. That's the one bullshit title that I loved, and it's still <laughs> the screensaver on my phone. Is it's how much a I love that picture belt.
0: on your WhatsApp. But I'm going to say you can't turn around and say oh, I'm not a fan of these uh, bullshit titles. But I love the bad motherfucker title.
1: It just it sounds cool. It's like they do it If we're but interims for that purpose that we're talking about, because volkanovsky Volk- Volk- has got an eye on another prize in my own views, a little bit, just, just call it another one contender and then whatever happens with Volkanovsky, the winner of that fight gets Volkanovsky next for the title. I think it's it's not needed. The, the BMF probably accepts that it's a gimmick title, doesn't it? It's not. It's like the
0: union belt that Tyson Fury won off um, Dillian White when they had a fight. It doesn't. It literally means absolutely nothing. It's just a shiny belt. Or What, what were the one that um, Mayweather and McGregor fought? I was going to say,
1: and wasn't it, what was the other one we talked about more recently? Um the Canelo. Canelo one with the fucking Jaguar uh, so it, it, it's that it's a flashy bit of bling to add a little bit of extra panache to an event and again interim belts no bad motherfucker I like that and who doesn't want to call themselves the bad motherfucker champion every like, I'd kill to be able to pick a picture of me wearing that belt okay, so you can
0: probably get one for about I, 145 quid you're probably a, right at but... some bullshit price but
1: uh... Jorge still holding it though isn't he a, like he doesn't want to
0: defend for it.
1: That's why um, he's had chances, but he's just not it's real. But um, yeah, so uh, agree with you. As I say, I think that, that that that's that would and to be fair, that would be the obvious number one contender. I like Ortega uh, again. Injury was an unsatisfactory way to lose, but Rodriguez is is a rising star as well. So um, that would make the most sense. Those two fight. Take on Volkanovski next for the, t- the title. Um, so, I've got a little article uh, that I read on Sherdog, just on Strangely as we're talking about featherweights as well. That I thought this would be a good, seeing as you, I know you love my, my questions to you. Yeah? Um, I thought this one would be a little bit more fan friendly, but I read this really interesting article on the top featherweights of all time. So, I'm not going to run through it and bore you with a, with a, uh, the full top 10. We'll start at the top 5. The top 5 you won't get, so I will tell you. Number five is Patricio uh, Pitbull Ferre, who is Bellator's greatest ever champ. Now you might not have heard of him. He had eight title defenses at featherweight and is a three-time champ in uh, in Bellator. Um, watched him; very good fighter. But he's number five. Number four, the original champ, champ featherweight, is it McGregor? Yes. So I'm number four, right. number four on the list is Conor McGregor. Um, again, what more do we really need to say about Connor? We've, we've all uh, watched him. He went on a tear when he first came out, when he was at featherweight, when he was motivated, before he got the $100 million yacht and coke money that he did and went down a dark path and never to come back from. But I don't think many people... I can't deny that he's got a place in that top five. Um, if nothing else, for beating one of the people below him, who we will come to infamously. Um, but number three current fighter so you will know him lost a pair of or three i think technically fights to the number two on the list holloway correct so max holloway number uh number three on just, the list just
0: point out my face here yeah. i'm actually <laughs> I, t- I told you essentially they weren't that
1: bad this time i wasn't gonna punk you with ridiculous uh names like before but um, so a few, a few facts for on Holloway. From 2014 to 19, he went on a 13-fight winning streak uh, in uh, the featherweight division. Ironically, McGregor beat him before that. So uh, he did beat him then. Um, and he's obviously met his match um, with, I don't want to say his name because I'm going to give it away, but number two on the list. Clue. I've just given you a okay. clue that it, he beat Holloway three times, and Holloway has met his match.
0: Volkanovski.
1: Correct. Number two. So Volkanovski, twenty-two fights in a row tear he's currently on in terms of streak. Twelve of those in the UFC. Uh, I mean, I don't know how much you know about Volkanovski. Did you know he used to be a former rugby league player? For some dog shit team in Australia but I will find you a picture he used to be fat as fuck was a real tank of a man obviously a a very good pro sportsman I think he played semi-professional level or something like that but you can find a picture of him he's almost unrecognizable from what he used to if you just typed in like Volkanovsky rugby league and you're like what is that the same guy but he's thick and he's obviously slimmed down um and I mean, in terms of his record, he knocked Chad Mendes into retirement. He beat Aldo, who admittedly was on the fade when he beat him. And he's also beat Bayern Ortega when Ortega was T-City, triangling everybody. But that then leads us on to the number one. Have you just mentioned him? I've mentioned him, yes. Has he retired recently? He has. Is it Aldo? It is. So... Aldo is number one, and I think most people, even though there was a slight decline in him towards the end, people sleep on the achievements of Aldo. So he went 15-0 and across a period uh, of the WEC uh, and the UFC when the UFC bought the, the, the lightweight's divisions before he lost to Connor. And in the article that I read described it, and I'm going to counter this though, arguably the best ever run of any MMA fighter in terms of the quality of opposition that he beat over and over again in those fights was ridiculous The caveat I'm going to throw in onto that one is John Jones I think the only person in terms of a run and competitions that you could put side by side is John Jones when he was tearing through as like heavyweight champion but Aldo he easily for me I, I, I couldn't disagree much with that order I think you could chuck it about a little bit but by far and away the goat uh, uh, at featherweight and top five ever across all weights in MMA for me as well
0: just because you mentioned him there, uh, John Jones, did you see that the fight at UFC 282 fell apart?
1: Oh, I thought you were about to tell me it's 100% guaranteed. Cause... No. So
0: oh. it, it was actually rumoured. So obviously we talked about it before, rumoured to come together. I had this article ready for you as well. Just a, a surprise without telling you. But um, yeah, apparently UFC didn't put any effort into um, signing Stipe, basically, and, and getting it all sorted.
1: He feels like the new Nate Diaz, doesn't he? In that they want to get rid of him, they want to run him down, and they almost want to throw him to some killer. But this is fucking John Jones. You can't throw a lion to fucking anyone who's going to fuck him up. So I I, I feel like they're sleeping on one of their most marketable stars there, and it's a huge disrespect for what he's done for them and the level of fighter he is. But it gives him more time to prepare, more time to be hitting those squats and getting massive like he is, but... Um, so, quick one for you then. Who would you suggest that he could end up being paired with for his heavyweight debut if Stipe's falling away?
0: I don't think he will. I'll be honest, I don't think it happens. Um, Blades, if I had to put someone out there. Gane.
1: Gane would be a shout because he's a kickboxer. Throw him as well. against a that's, that's, that's that's Who doesn't want to not see that? He, he, the, the, long, the length of time he held that title, throw him in, you know. The one of the craziest fighters you've ever had against, for me, the baddest looking fighter I've ever seen, in terms of Engaru. I mean, I, you ch- imagine he's walking towards you in a down a dark street, you would run the other way. That is a terrifying man in terms of his physique and stature. But that's the fight. Having said, it's that the only fight isn't Engaru just about out of contract think he runs out so he well, either he's had injury, it. Isn't it? It's, it's I think it's like January and they were basically again because he's trying he's, try, he's one that if something that we can come on to he's trying to line up Tyson isn't he Is in Fury well he, he
0: said I'm going to say I will not want to watch him fight Mike Tyson um, he said that he would sign a contract with the UFC, but only if it allows him to box, didn't it? I so think. that's a no. Yeah. He's not <laughs> Conor McGregor, that doesn't
1: happen. Um, so that's a no. So he's going to be, let his deal, is going to expire, I think. Uh, he'll probably go somewhere, like Bellator, where he can smash through everybody. They'll let him box. And he'll try and get, not being funny, I'd love to see it. That's an that's easier money for Fury than fucking Derek Chisora is, despite his terrifying power. The question that I'll put to you there then,
0: because obviously heavyweight traditionally, and, and certainly this is speaking from a boxing fan over a, a, an MMA fan, but heavyweight is the money division. That's where you want to watch the big fights. It doesn't seem to be that there's any big-name stars anymore in the UFC's heavyweight division that is obviously to Yourself and two purists of it, maybe. Maybe you'd say Garnet, Stipe, um, you know, wh- whoever you're going to put forward. But doesn't seem to be anyone that's marketable that you could say, look at this crazy motherfucker, like Ngannou, potentially was. Obviously, they haven't marketed very well. There's clearly something going on behind the scenes with the UFC and Ngannou. But are they not shooting themselves in the foot to get rid of Jones as a potential heavyweight and Ngannou?
1: Yeah, and this is Dana being the... I can do what I want. I'm, I've got the backing of Endeavour. You're two best stars at that division. One, let them fight, because who doesn't? That, to me, is like Usyk Fury. Jones Ngannou would be a monster fight. I would easily hit top five pay-per-views if they market it right. Two, for the people that don't know Ngannou's backstory, talk about someone to market and throw the, 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 the promotion behind. This is a guy that grew up in a sandpit in Cameroon. Uh, He escaped from Cameroon to Europe six times, I think it was, and was extradited back before he made it to France. He was sleeping in a park before a boxing trainer found him, was like, fuck me, you're a unit. And he always aspired to be a boxer rather than a mixed martial artist. This guy in France, I forget his name, took him under his wing. And before you know it, the predator was born. And he is a simply terrifying man to look at. I've never seen a stature like it. The knockout he did of Alistair Overeem, where he literally knocked his head so far back, his, t- his toes curled. It's one of the most frightening knockouts I've ever seen. I've got no idea what's going on, whether it's not what it is. Maybe he's a right dick off, off, off screen, but 100% right. It's a massive error by the UFC to let the two most mark. Let's be fair. Now that connor has gone, who are the red panty stars?
0: Uh, it's difficult, it? I don't There isn't anyone that jumps out at all. It, it,
1: Paddy's trying to be a, a, a shit. Connor, long way to it's, go. He's miles away. But literally, if you said to me, you, you go back four or five years, you'd have Connor. John Jones was probably number two, and they've just seemed to have totally discarded him. And within Garnu's backstory, his looks, you know, the power he's got, it—it's a shocking business decision for me. That one. So I'm just
0: looking here on the um, MMA Hour. Podcast, so the latest episode. Um, it's it Ariel Helwani? He's, good journalist. Uh, yeah, quite a good journalist. Respected journalist, journalist in he, MMA. He said very specifically that the UFC didn't put much effort into signing Stipe. He said, uh, I think once they didn't really come correct with an offer, and that's what happened here, uh, it was like, hey, you want to fight him, here's the amount, take it or leave it. And because Stipe was like, uh, they just moved on. Uh, now I think they are going to try and make the fight against Nganou in March. If they do that, who is Stipe then going to fight? Is he going to be motivated to fight for less money to fight Gane or Blades? I don't see that happening. Wouldn't shock me if we never see him again. Could he come back? Sure, but I don't think we'll ever see Stipe ever again.
1: The other thing for, 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 for uh, Pay, which other people don't know, maybe you're this, so do you know this: he's a fireman. Did you know this? He still, even when he was heavyweight champ, had his role and kept up his job as a fireman, and he gave credit. It is one of the reasons why still had a day job what kept him grounded so he's made a fair bit of money he has a normal job he, you know like that he's quite happy doing what he does I think is right he might never fight again
0: have I just done a U on the pronunciation there you have I, I, literally I used to never before that it is oh, Stipe
1: Stipe Miocic um, but, French? Uh, Croatian oh. he's, he's American but from Croatian background But oh, um,
0: I got all those questions right at the beginning and now I'm just showing myself up
1: but you're totally right. And I think, would he be motivated again? No, he doesn't need the money. And I think this comes back to, I know we're going to loop onto this shortly with our, our friend Jake Paul. He makes a very fair point, which is the UFC are underpaying people. And a lot of these guys that have been in the division long enough, particularly at Heatherweight, you are putting your body and your life on the line. To fight in Garnu. fuck that. You're, gonna, <laughs> you're literally giving yourself brain damage to get in the ring with him. I'd want half a million or a million, not the bullshit they're offering. So I, I, I definitely know that the stagnation, if you like, or the lack of fights is becoming a lot more severe as time has gone on and a lot more noise is made about how badly the UFC pay their fighters. So I think the, the, this would be a prime symptom
0: of it. Just having a quick check, I want to see if it says how much silver was paid. There's always segue onto this. $500,000
1: it was paid. Um, Plus, I'm guessing uh Pay per views, but I don't yeah. think many people are paying for that, are they? Uh, according to a
0: report by Toto, with a base pay of $1.5 million and the lion's share of the pay per view buys at 65%, the problem child is expected to receive a payout of around $5 million for fighting silver <laughs> at silver. Meanwhile, the former UFC middleweight champion will earn $1.5 million from a base pay of $500,000. And thirty-five percent of pay-per-view sales. Do
1: you know the really sad Jeez. things? He probably rarely, if ever, earned um, one point five million when he fought in the UFC. So you can't blame Silver for taking it. No, absolutely um, not.
0: And, and only
1: talks, doesn't it? But
0: I mean, we'll come on to this now. Then, Sir, so I know you're very excited to talk about the Spider getting sparked. Um, so Paul obviously has scored the biggest win of his boxing career, which. Seems a ridiculous statement to say. Obviously, we're talking about another UFC, our former UFC champion. Um, unanimous decision uh, 77, 74, 78, 73, and 78, 73 on the cards. They were a catch weight, I think it was 185 pounds. So uh, essentially dominated him. There wasn't any doubt in it. I've showed you a clip of um, Paul slapping Anderson Silver down and uh, knocking into to the canvas. Very soft punch. It looks a bit dodgy to me, and a lot of people have called this up. To which he's obviously rebutted them. And Paul has come out and said, "I have lost faith in my generation if they
1: think this was a fix." Um, I lost faith in that generation because of you, motherfucker, Jake Paul. Ironically, but we and all your know that prime drink. We all know that I'm hurt by this one after the weekend, which you're going to rub in my face in a minute. I know it was a killer double blow for me. I've got two two major points I'm going to say, which was one, I thought it it looked a bit suspicious, the, the, the knockout from some angles, but I, not Anderson, Anderson's not taken... I'll be honest with you, if it was someone else, like someone like Diaz, a, a bit more of a rehearsed-type person, a bit of it, Anderson wouldn't be taking a dive. So I'll tell you now, no matter how ropey that looks, that would have been genuine, because I don't think Anderson's taking a dive. I thought Paul looked juicy, <laughs> like thick juicy that bright red as well just scarily like thick but i'm gonna i never thought i would say this having watched i didn't watch all of it but ready for this i thought i've got to at least be pre- pre-prepared and what some of the things i did watch was certain people that i respect their opinion sadly this isn't the case for the real world but that i know when to devolve and think Do you know what that person knows way more about something than me so if they've got that opinion i'm going to take that on the chin The one I always go to for boxing for me, Teddy Atlas. Used to train Mike Tyson as, you know, great commentator, great trainer. He was giving props to Paul and saying, do you know what? He's turned a corner. And he was a gimmicky bullshit fighter before. That was what a pro looks like. And the dedication and the leaps and bounds he's taken. The one thing I will say is, we've said it before, you can't... I, I love the hustle. And if someone is getting up every day and putting that work in to get better... And Paul is clearly doing that, to give him credit. Uh,
0: it was two hundred to 300,000 pay-per-view buys, by the way, um, which it seems a bit shit. It's actually quite respectable when you look at Deontay Wilder's bout, which drew only 75,000. So, And I'm, I'm not having that Jake Paul is a bigger draw than Deontay Wilder. So this is all about marketing, and it's quite clearly about YouTube people getting other YouTube people involved. And able to, It'll be on Logan Paul's podcast, I'm sure. It'll be on KSI's podcast, because obviously the big build-up between a potential KSI fight and Jake Paul, which I'm sure everyone wants to see that. Um, the main thing to take out of this for me is that before the fight, I think it was at a press conference, Paul and Silver had had a bet um, in the lead-up and essentially said, um, if the UFC legend had lost the fight, he would help Paul in formulating a fighters' union, which... Um, they've actually confirmed following the, the fight that they're going to band together and create a United Fighters Association to help UFC fighters, all MMA fighters and boxers get more fighter pay and long-term health care. So, in all fairness, if that's true, and if Anderson Silver- <laughs> fight,
1: what What is it? It's an extra way to give two fingers up to Dana. Yeah, absolutely. That's what it... I, I, I appreciate what he's doing. Is he doing that out of the kindness of his heart because that's how he genuinely feels not a fucking chance it's a him and dana have obviously had this back and forth he's always trying to stick the knife in and to do this if he does do it that would be the ultimate way to fuck dana over so credit to it, it, sometimes you have to look at the outcome rather than the intention the outcome would be good for fighters which i would you know ultimately they should get health care they should get paid properly compared to other professional sports I'm not buying for a fucking second that he's doing it for the good of everybody else he's doing it for more gimmicks and more ways to poke Dane
0: undoubtedly Um, I I would be quite interested to see who he goes on to fight next which I can't believe I've said that out loud Um, obviously there's rumours that there's a Nate Diaz fight in the works I don't see that I get that Nate Diaz isn't doing a lot these days
1: but well, it's funny so we obviously we, we, we make some notes and we prepare a little bit uh to make sure that this isn't just freeboard, uh, and I've, I've made some notes. My neck don't, don't,
0: don't admit that this is obviously all off the cuff. And, uh, so, okay, so my good.
1: note, my neck my neck I feel like my thunder has been slightly stolen here. It was that my, I've got Nate Diaz next. Huge weight difference. Diaz fought the majority of his career at one fifty-five, and when he went up to one seventy, he declined. And I think he ended up with a five and five record. They fought. I think you said one eight five. I might be wrong, but I thought it was one eight seven. They fought at. That's a fucking huge weight difference and where I feel my thunder's been stolen I did see when I was having a look through my my MMA websites last night to make any final notes Bisping had come out on his podcast and said I'm going to put it out there that fight does not end well for Nate Diaz all of Nate's skills his jiu-jitsu his black belt his kicks his his volume he's in bigger gloves are taken away in that fight and literally took my thunder that I don't think that went well for Diaz.
0: I don't because it's a UFC fighter versus a boxer and this is what always happens in these fights which is why it's a gimmick at the moment and which is why I had no doubt that Anderson Silva were going to lose this even with a bit of boxing history that he'd obviously started trying to do that down that career. I don't think Anderson Silva fights again at boxing. Personally, I think he's probably happy to just sort of sit back now and enjoy his money Um, but Jake Paul seems to be continuously fighting your UFC people, your MMA people, your kickboxers I can see him fighting KSI next because
1: that's got to be a backward step Then, if he's trying to prove himself you can't go that's like being in the not, Champions though, League he? and he's... then taking I, I know I'll take on someone in the conference
0: but what's the end goal for Jake Paul he's not going to be a champion he's never going to get to the heights of fighting a proper fully fledged boxer so the next steps are either going to be fight someone from UFC Nate Diaz fight KSI for the amount of pay-per-views and that'll get a sickening amount of publicity because you've seen Stuff like flavoured water and how that does. Um, Wakey Wines. yeah, Jesus Christ. Just on that, I've got to mention this because we've been mentioning it all week. So we go on about Prime all the time, which shouldn't do, and we probably give it more publicity than anyone else. It's a stupid energy drink that KSI and Logan Paul, Paul's brother, has put together. It's going viral on TikTok at the moment because there's a bloke in... It is literally Wakefield at a shop called Wakey Wines, where this guy is basically selling bottles of flavoured water to kids and the mums for about 20 quid a bottle. And I think it's gone up since that last video I showed you. It's now 25 quid a
1: bottle. It, I mean, again, I don't go tip TikTok, that fucking Chinese nonsense, uh, giving my data away. But you, you you, enlightened me in this world and have shown me some of these videos. Just a couple to, to talk about, like just stick in the mind from the ones that you've shown me over the week. There's a, a young lady that goes in there Pays 145 quid for six bottles of fucking flavoured water. That lady should be shaken out into the woods and shot. The more worrying one, and we were talking about what's behind it. There's a chap on there that's driven up from Eastbourne. Just for people to donate, Eastbourne is in Brighton, down on the south coast. We looked it up. It's 267 miles to Wakefield. He's driven up there, and then there's no in stock. And then, as if that's not bad enough for his 500-mile round trip this wakey wines chap then puts a camera in his face and says oh you've driven all this far can you take us a, a video for tiktok the final point i feel like we should add the guys are convicted who's doing this convicted drug dealer of crack so if there's a scam there there you go but this i would is it what what what, what should people search for on tiktok to find this wakey content? wines wakey wines. literally wakey go and wines. have a look Add some comments to this bastard, take him down, stop him telling selling bottles of water for twenty five pounds to people. And
0: now we're gonna get a bunch of people listening to this podcast turning up as houses, looking at shades on, weapons. So uh, we'll try and keep it I, funnily enough I did get a text message off on of this says literally as we're doing this just now, so I'm looking at the picture, it's on the Pontifact community page and it says Glass Houghton in Asda. Has some priming for anyone who doesn't want to get ripped off by Wakey Wines. <laughs> so, I can't believe we're
1: talking about this nonsense on a, fo- a podcast that's supposed <laughs> to be about boxing and fighting. But, um... but the,
0: the last thing on boxing, cause, because it's actual boxing now, so we've got to move away from fucking Wakey Wines. Um, Usyk. So he's come out and said that he uh, wants to fight Fury. Obviously, this is an ongoing saga. Um, he's set him a deadline, hasn't he? And, and this is something that I didn't know. I know that it was it's a March deadline. But the specific reason for this, I didn't know until
1: you just told me. Uh, so the deadline is that if I'm not getting the uh, religion wrong, Usik is an Orthodox Christian, which means he fasts for Easter. So uh, apparently the deadline in terms of the latest that he could possibly have a training camp and then fight before he would start fasting for, for his for religious views is the 4th of March. I think in the bit that I read, he'd actually offered uh, to say to Fury, his his team are reaching out to him and trying to get a fight any time from mid-February. But that was his deadline. And he said, if it wasn't the 4th of March. Deadline is, you've got to fight me by this or it's off. From what I read was, if you don't fight me by the 4th of March, it'll have to be after Easter. Which doesn't really feel like much of a deadline. But he was taking the mickey out of uh, the upcoming fight with Chisora, saying what, why is Fury doing this, like we all think. I
0: was so. going to say, that there's no guarantee that Fury's still going to be the uh, the champion after the 3rd of December, it might be that we see Chisora versus Usyk again.
1: But what he did say, uh, uh, Usyk further in that interview was, I don't want to fight anyone till I've got all the belts, which is, that's what I want to hear, so he's been like, give me you know, let me take Fury, let me take his belt, then we can talk about other people, so um that's the fight we all want to see anyway.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, are you ready for this? Are you prepared? Because I feel like it's time to move on to football. I've waited all week for this. I'm sure you have. So oh,
1: Giving me all this, I've been gracious in defeat, I've not this, and then you're I, just going to unload it all now for a week's worth of abuse.
0: I've been gracious up until this point. So um, there was quite a, a big match this weekend just gone. Um I went into it obviously very confident, and if you listen to last week's, I were absolutely certain that we were going to win and that there wasn't anything uh, else that going to happen. Obviously, that's a massive lie. But uh, Leeds beat Liverpool, so that's uh, my Leeds beating your Liverpool comprehensively. Um, what were it like seven nil at the end? Absolutely battered them. were not even close. No two one. Um, to be honest, I don't think that you offered anything other than the goal that you scored. Um, Nunez poor in front of goal you had got a few chances that you probably should have put away Melie pulls off awesome reasonably okay saves good save from Nunez and his position is very very good um, got the man a match but I thought we looked actually quite good
1: you did I mean hats off to you I mean so I'm down in London friend's 40th birthday I've gone to set up the fucking party to help blowing up balloons of helium and that managed to get the footy on Go for a drink at the bar. Bang! It's one nil. I think fucking here we go. This is going to be a long night. Um, plenty of anti Liverpool fans there giving me shit in the background. We equalise obviously relatively quickly uh, with Mo, and and suddenly you think right, it's on. Um, could very could with better finishing have been two or three 0 up within the first half, but combination of poor finishing and I, I thought melier looked good. I didn't think he pulled off any outstanding saves, but everything he did very well impressed with him considering I called him out for a few clangers um, uh, a few weeks back, but very impressed with him. But I can't say that I didn't see it coming. The longer it went for one, I was saying to the people I'm with, we're going to get done here. And you you almost look like a punch drunk boxer on the ropes, but not out of the game at all. I thought Adams was was fantastic in the middle. uh, And the ultimate stat for me was, I don't think it was officially... 1k per person but the average was you ran 11k more than Liverpool that's a considerable amount of outworking for a team that would used to get an advantage by outworking so I can't say it was undeserved being with my unbiased hat on and if I've got to lose to anyone I've it might as well be Leeds. Uh, first loss at home in 29 games was a bit of a blow. And then to say that you were gracious all week, that when I come in with a picture of the Leeds badge on my desk was maybe not quite so gracious. But you, you to be fair, you weren't pelting me. I could have absolutely had a far more. Um, I, I deserved, I think, would probably be slightly overshading it, but c- you couldn't say it wasn't
0: undeserved. I disagree. I honestly thought that the, the game plan that... Marsh put forward for it was absolutely perfect. Never going to outplay you, You're clearly a better team, better players, but as you say, and sometimes it happens in football, I suppose, it just gets to the point where someone has, or a team has more desire than the other, and I, I honestly thought that Leeds were in a position where everything worked, and it's not happened a lot this season. It happened with Chelsea, but the majority of stuff that you saw, the pressing was perfect in the sense that they weren't doing what they were doing against Fulham and Leicester, where Two people would go but one person wouldn't and it leaves a massive gap. The team would move together. You saw, because obviously we play very narrow, the entire team would move over very swiftly. There wasn't any gaps that they were leaving in doing that or down the wings. Um, I, I thought they were really good. I thought Aronson were very good. I thought Tyler Adams were my man at match, personally. I get that it has to be go to Melia because he makes nine saves and it's the joint most of any goalkeeper in the Premier League this season. But I thought Adams was absolutely unbelievable. Um, I thought Nonto made a massive impact when he came on. That's the first time he's played for Leeds.
1: I'd said to you, I, I was very impressed with Nonto. I thought he'd done that left side. He gave you a really good outlet. He was one of those people that kind of... I mean, he's getting fucking Trent, for fuck's sake. So every time he got the ball when he came, came in, he was only on for 20 minutes, but he, 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 he caused panic in, in, in defence. The only thing I'm going to slightly disagree with, I thought you're right on everything you've said, bar the point on the game plan, because you can't tell me the game plan was... Liverpool will just miss easy chances or, our oh God, will save them. Everything else, the way they set up was the best way to approach it, but that game plan for me had holes in it because if we took the chances we should have, and on another day, I think it would have been different. But for the way that Leeds have played more recently, very impressed and want them to stay up. You play like that at least every other game for the rest of the season, easy. Not a problem.
0: It's definitely important that Leeds go on to beat Bournemouth I think. Tottenham's a bit of a weird game because you never really know with Tottenham this season. Could be absolutely fantastic and they could roll us over especially considering they're at home but I think Bournemouth at Elland Road is absolutely key for Jesse Marsh still. He's definitely bought himself some time but that doesn't stop the fact that he's been on a horrendous run up to this point. It's definitely a massive win for us obviously it's taken out of the, uh, uh, the, the relegation zone. Weirdly we're looking um, I think we've got the actual Premier League table up here but considering we've not won a game and I think it was eight matches that one win not only takes us out of the relegation zone but makes us look quite comfortable because we've got a game in hand and we're a point above the relegation zone and the amount of teams that are on you know, maybe one or two points more than us. Look at West Ham. West Ham are Someone's
1: tune has changed a little bit. I know in the last few weeks, what's we remember you've got a game in hand. Let's get fucking man, you're in it. That's what, Listen to the change well, this, in this tune. This is what happens
0: when you beat the whipping boys of the, the league. Everyone in relegation zone seems to be beating you these days.
1: I think you are spot on in terms of the Bournemouth match for you and its importance. It's the flip of what I would call the, of what Liverpool have done. We beat City, we lose to Forest, we lose to you. It kind of makes it a joke and in the same way, if you then beat us but don't beat Bournemouth at home you're kind of like what are we doing here lads
0: well, so, if you lose against Bournemouth and lose against Spurs he's significantly in trouble again So that, well, that's the weird thing is then
1: football. all of the the, the, the prestige and, and the, the plaudits that he's got for this it suddenly instead of a good performance it becomes a freak result and yeah. you've gone back to normal so they've got to build on that and if they play half as well as against they do uh, in, in that game at home against Bournemouth they should be alright would... Bournemouth though have, seem to have picked up a bit haven't they under uh, <laughs> under, under, under this uh, the Tindall um, they've, yeah. they've got some good results. They uh, only lost last minute to Spurs last week, but
0: um... three losses in a row, the winless in four. And I think that that's a game that you've got to be targeting as a, a team around there. Be, yeah, yeah. Um, but just because I, I do like I do like rubbing it in a little bit. So you mentioned obviously you beat City on the, the 16th of October, and then you've lost to bottom of the table Forest, then you've lost to Leeds. You've conceded the first goal in eight of your 12 Premier League games this season. Um, it looks pretty much like the title is off completely because you're 13 points off the, the top now. Um, but more importantly, you are now eight points adrift of Newcastle and fourth. Now you do have a game in hand, so that could obviously be cut to five. What is the target now for Liverpool? Is it top four and
1: win the Champions League? And that matter? <laughs> does it? Yeah.
0: And how long does this go on for? until Klopp comes under significant pressure? Because obviously there's a lot of pressure at the moment. No one's calling for his head. You'd be stupid to do so. But at what point do people start thinking, hang on a minute, are we at the end of the road?
1: I think January is important. I mean, we've we've got to get through the World Cup unscathed with the players that go. We've got enough injuries. And if we get the players that do go uh, coming back injured, we could be in real trouble. I'll be interested to see if they do. I mean, each week, Bellingham looks more of a distant hope, doesn't it, realistically? Whereas we were apparently the favourites, but he's going to end up at City or or, or Real, I'm sure. Now. Or, um, or, he was in the paper. The scum? Manchester United, Nah, he? he's too clever for that. But I, 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 surely, if you're looking, people keep saying to me, he's a very um, old head on young shoulders, very clever lad, it's not about the money. Why on earth are you going to go to the scum? You might as well go to us if you're going to go to the scum. You're going to City or Real for the money... And the chance to win trophies.
0: I disagree. What man? You unbeaten in what five at the moment? Won three out of the last. Who's celebrating unbeaten games. five? Jesus. The fifth. Um. Obviously, Newcastle are just above them. With I think they have a game in hand on Newcastle. So, win that game in hand against you. Yeah. With obviously they won't win that now. You know. You know how it is. I definitely will not saying that they were going to thrash us last week. Um. Yeah, if they win that game in hand, they're obviously in top four. They look
1: better than you at the moment they're sneaking along I I can't deny but for me if Bellingham is about the sporting achievement and you know it's not about the money I want to win things I I think that's a hard sell even for a Man U fan to say that you'd choose Man U over City or Real personally
0: over City definitely and over Real definitely but more would he choose Man U over Liverpool at the moment I think there's a significant
1: chance of that yeah I think if if it came down to those two I hate to say it but I couldn't disagree with you but I I, think think it's the I think, see, you just get everyone, don't they? Yeah, I just think that they that not but... Exactly, just to have the option. So, yeah, I, I think I, I've, I'm resigned to the fact that I don't think that will now happen. Uh, in terms of how long does it go on, we need to pick the league form up. I mean, again, just because I feel like I've got to say it in there, we did beat the most informed team in Europe this week, which was incredibly lucky, by the way, and very much like the Ajax match the week before. Uh, we got two late goals. They scored uh, uh, earlier on in the second half and had a three three and a half minute delay for VAR on what was a pretty obvious offside for me, far more obvious than the Spurs one. Um, so could have gone a different way if that if that had stood, but um, it's, it's the midfield for me. If we brought someone in that can make an instant difference in January, I think we're okay and we could we could power through. F- top four looks less and less likely each week with these stupid results, but. I think it's, a, it's going to be a weird season because of the World Cup. It's almost like two mini-seasons. And I always say, I was saying to you in, gym, in the gym only the other day, Liverpool are a different animal in Europe, over two legs. It always bothers me when you get to the final and you've got one leg. Over two legs, I fancy us. Now, ironically, in the Champions League, we got more points than any other English team they are in there. All other three teams won their groups. We came second. So we will get someone that won their group, which could be problematic.
0: I'm going to say, and we'll come on to that. Um, just on the point that you mentioned there about your midfield, uh, looking through the ages, you've got kaita who's 27, who should be at the the prime age, but just seems to be injured for the majority of his career. Tiago, 31, very good. 31. Fabinho, 28. 28. That's not too bad. John Henderson, 32. 32. Um, Ox, 27, 28.
1: But which is ridiculous. Really matter, I'm though, sure he's it? been around he's ne- for about 40 years. He's always injured. Milner, if you want to put him, he's 37. <sighs>
0: 36, um, um, The your
1: next sort of up-and-coming... Don't you dare mention Curtis Jones. <laughs> you've and got
0: that... Curtis Jones at 21, Cavalier at 20, and Javier Elliott. Uh, he seems to be playing all over, Javier Elliott 19. None of those three are really going to take up what John Henderson has done in recent years. Certainly not going to be anywhere as good as Thiago Fabinho, obviously different positions, but that's the biggest issue I agree. I think Bellingham will make a massive difference it can't just be Bellingham. There's got to be two or three additions to that.
1: I, I think you need, for me, we would need a, a Bellingham, someone, I mean, obviously not only the quality, but his age is, is perfect for that profile. Otherwise, if someone else, someone else was asking me this for the day, who else would I, I go for? I'm not entirely sure, but I think you need someone at that like sort Tyler of Adams. 22, 23 level that's got room for improvement, or even if you went 25, you could do to get that to grow, because I think you could then play, you know, Fabinho at 28 isn't spent yet, You'd then have Bellingham at 19, and, and for me, you'd still play Thiago at 31, but then you'd swap him and rotate him more. But I, I I don't disagree with you. I think it needs to be Bellingham and someone of not highest quality that you, is, is getting, has got the youth. But I think I'm kidding myself. I Bellingham. think I,
0: I think you need to avoid youth. Bellingham, yes, because he's youth and different quality. I think you need a midfield marshal because you're running out by time, I think. Somewhere around 26, 27, is probably the best ones put in there. Not someone who is... No, 32 33 um, the old guard can be there for another couple of seasons but Henderson don't really a lot of the players that I that. like
1: have just moved recently as well for what I've seen that would make a job I'm, I really liked I was really disappointed we didn't make a move for uh, Tuchemeni Yeah, Went to Real he, he real good engine on him can do a little bit of everything can play in a few different roles he was one that obviously just moved to Real he's not going to take that step down but um, he he was a one that feels like he got away because we were linked with him as well. He would have helped in that shorter term. Now while we were looking to fill the the, the void, but um, yeah, I, I agree. And as you said, that the, the the key point from that, the takeaway and the stat for me with the Leeds was when we, we we got out hustled, 11k less we ran. One that shows a bit of age and that we've been two that just shows they weren't quite up for it. You know the number of sprints and things like that. Leeds did did far better.
0: Um, quick overview of the rest of the Premier League results then. So, uh, obviously, the main one being the mighty Leeds won. Everton Fulham, um, by all accounts, Everton got off quite lucky there. Um, sorry, on match of the day, and some of the Fulham highlights. are looking good, though, aren't Fulham they? Fulham do, yeah. They look, look quite good in terms of what they're doing this season. They look well oiled. Um, Michael Silva is the manager there. He
1: is. I mean, Mitrovic has found his Premier League scoring boots oh, and look, looks no, decent. Uh, Paulinho, that they bought from Sporting, looks a yep. nice addition in midfield, and they've, they feel like they've got that unit. From the Championship with a few bits of quality and top that's Which doing well.
0: they haven't done for every other time that they've come up. They look like they finally got a hang of it this time on their ninth try or whatever it is. Um, Newcastle, still going strong. Another 4-0 thrashing. Villa seem to be very odd these days, obviously. Emery's just coming in now, so I don't think he was in charge for this game, Warwick. But the next game he will be. So it'll be interesting to see if they pick up. Palace, again, ticking along nicely. Beat Southampton 1-0. Brighton's the big shock of the weekend, other than obviously Leeds. Leeds. Um, Absolutely battered Chelsea. I don't think that were even close. I saw some of the goals, and some of them are just a calamity from Chelsea. I think two own goals in that. It was.
1: And Um, I mean, the one one that that made the the story that came out of that that made me uh, laugh was that uh, obviously Potter, former Brighton manager, wants to buy Trossard for 30 mil. Good fucking luck. You might buy his left foot for 30 mil the way he's playing. That's 60 mil. It's doubled at least. Easy, easy on today's silly prices. 30 mil, I mean. I, sign me up for some of that if that was available for 30 mil Trossard. I've always He'd liked him he's worked Liverpool's midfield I, I really know. like him but he's this year he's, he's one of those players I think I've said to you before this is a description he's like a shit a poor man's Kevin De Bruyne but this year he suddenly added goals and assists and f- output to his numbers and what he used to do was very neat and tidy didn't score many goals didn't make many contributions but all of a sudden this year it seemed to come together I think he's a right player really like him
0: yep yeah. Um, and obviously, it's Deserbi's first win, and we did a bit of a—I can't remember what episode that one now—but we did a bit of a deep dive into Deserbi. So I think he'll finally start picking up now. And Potter's first loss, I think. Um, Brentford drew with Wolves, another boring game with boring teams. I think Wolves are very much in trouble, but it seems like they've picked talks up with—I um, can't pronounce his name—is it Loptegu? To it, it, yeah, that, that's one so, how, yeah, we're not we're going do. to try on that so yeah they, they've picked Patoch back up with him and it seems like he's going to be appointed the new boss well, he was sacked recently wasn't he because he was From a civil
1: manager and then got fired so I would imagine that's made it a bit easier well, that, he it was, no it
0: was out of a job when they were negotiating with Wolves in the first place but I think he said his dad were ill or something like that so I don't know if his ah, dad's okay. now passed away or, or what that's affected him but it does seem like he'll be the new Wolves manager despite them saying a few weeks ago that they'd appointed an interim until the end of the, the season obviously the are panicking Spurs pulled off an unlikely win in the last few minutes against Bournemouth. Um, I think Bournemouth went 2-0 two two, up. Yeah, Kiefer Moore got uh, both. Won. I
1: think he got both. Yeah, as you say, obviously the, the mates I, uh, I was visiting down in London is uh, is my mate that's a Spurs and season ticket holder. So he was watching that one at lunchtime Quite before delighted, got down and was yeah. more
0: than happy with uh, with that result. Uh, City, or Highlandless City, 1-1-0, <laughs> looked like... Uh, it could have gone either way. Obviously, that free kick were unbelievable. They're um, slowing
1: down, though, City, aren't they? Europe in Europe as well. Without it's still you know, winning, not being... aren't
0: they? Yeah, they, they're fine at the moment. Um, Man U beat West Ham. Again, another really boring game on Sunday with 1-0. And then Arsenal. Um, I, I don't know what to say about Arsenal. Still, so I still can't gauge whether they're going to remain up there. City, I still think, run away with the title. But 5-0
1: against Forest. Forest are in big, big trouble, I think. I, I've, after the last few weeks I think Arsenal are a in for the top four the way they're playing and each game goes by they, they get a little bit closer to that um, I, I still, strangely I was talking to a mate about a work issue last night he's an Arsenal fan so exactly saying to him it's the squad depth for me if Jesus and Saka get injured at the World Cup unless they go out and spunk some money in, in January I think they could be in trouble they, they have a decent team very poor squad do we still think that uh, Forest
0: are going to finish above Leeds? Because I remember making that bet. (laughs) Uh, No. No. Seems a a good bet for me so far. Um, Moving on to Champions League then, so a quick round-up. Um, A few little bits and pieces. 17-year-old Rico Lewis made history as the youngest player to score in his Champions League start for Manchester City against Sevilla. Uh, Last six seasons in the Champions League now, Manchester City finished top of the group. Uh, Chelsea's comeback against Dinamo Zagreb was tempered by it was a hamstring injury for Chilwell, which annoyingly puts his World Cup place in doubt and it seems to happen quite a lot with uh England in this build up. Um Zachariah, I think it was, scored on his, his debut for Chelsea. I uh, know they, they went one nil down and ended up winning four one at the end. Correct. Um Son, which It's very, very much good for us. Seems to have, again, not in a nasty way, obviously, but good for Leeds. Uh, Seems to have gone off with a fracture to his left eye.
1: And out of the World Cup, I saw. Yeah. um, I didn't realise South Korea were there, if I'm honest with you, but yeah, they're out. I don't know. Is he definitely out? I think it's a
0: big doubt, but I don't know if he's confirmed as definitely out yet. You might be right. I think maybe maybe I've read doubt, so maybe you're right. Either way, you would expect if he's got a fracture in his left eye, he just patches it up. But hopefully he's injured. Always
1: one of these silly masks. Like, yeah, awesome Egger Davids. have uh, Davids, yeah. yeah. Um,
0: Celtic just round off a fantastic uh, European campaign for Scotland as they were absolutely destroyed by Madrid. Made um, an early European exit. I think they finished bottom of the group, which means no Europa League either. And uh, Rangers, didn't they lose it or become the first team in history to lose
1: every game Uh, it's not the first in history but they had the worst ever record in terms of goal difference I think it was minus 20 in the end (laughs) they lost 3-1 to Ajax in Liverpool and Napoli's group Um, I'd say the the result for me that is gonna I mentioned it earlier so all three English teams in Chelsea uh, City and Spurs won their groups Liverpool came second but had more points than any of them the result of the week for me was Benfica beating Haifa 6-1 and going above PSG and goal difference which then puts PSG into second place meaning they'll play one of the top teams so those English teams better beware now that won their group because PSG are that's not a team you want to get if you won your group and you've got PSG you'd be gutted with that
0: it's a good point to segue onto then so Four teams, as you say, all from England, all qualified, which is definitely good for the Premier Can't League. Can't
1: play each other in the next round, can Can't they? Can't play
0: each other because no, two teams from the same country can be drawn against each other at this early stage. Um, City can potentially get Bruges, which I know have been your, one of your favourite teams uh, for betting. Um, you'd take that, wouldn't you? No matter how well absolutely. they're doing, if yeah. you're
1: City, you'd take Bruges every day of the but week. There's
0: only one real, and I, I, I tell you what, I'm going to have a bet with you who they get when I read this out, but there's only one big team that they'd be worried about, or two big teams potentially, one being PSG. So they get Bruges, Frankfurt. I don't think I'd be worried about Frankfurt. Inter Milan, I would be potentially worried about. PSG, obviously. Uh, RB Leipzig, which is who I think they'll draw. And then
1: AC Milan. I'll tell you now who Liverpool get, because we play them every single time in the Champions League. Porto. Yeah, so you can get Munich, which would be... Harsh. And Madrid... no Sadio would be back to rub yeah, it, 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 it in as well. That, that would be, we don't want
0: that. So you can either be drawn against Munich, Porto, Madrid or Benfica. Obviously, you want Benfica or Porto. That's a 50-50 toss-up. One of those can just derail you. I think Bayern Munich and you're out. Um, I think Madrid and you're out. Ah, oh,
1: Madrid are worse yeah. than Bayern. The way that I play. I'll be honest, I don't think Bayern are that good at the moment. You can catch them on a bad day. Real would destroy us at the moment, I think.
0: Chelsea, um, so very similar to City, Bruges, Frankfurt, Inter Milan, PSG, Leipzig. They can't get AC Milan, instead they can get Dortmund. Uh, Spurs uh, can get Dortmund, Bruges, Inter Milan, PSG, Leipzig or AC Milan. So uh, they can't get Frankfurt.
1: Good deal. And only because you talked about records, I said I had a couple of little records for you. I don't know if you saw these. So These were Champions League records uh, achieved yesterday. So Ancelotti, you see this one? No. The most, if this is, I never know if this is a a word that seems to be in the the modern vernacular now, winningest manager in Champions League history. Winningest. Has the most wins. So he had, he surpassed Alex Ferguson on, Fergie had 102 wins in the Champions League and by our beat Celtic, he now has 103 wins in the Champions League as a manager. He's won it four times and what people forget, he won it twice as a player. That's the man.
0: Winningist. I, I, I'm not having that as a word. I, <laughs> I have a fi-
1: I'm going to Google <laughs> it now. Um, I think in the modern winningist. vernacular, winningist is a word that can be used, but that's not... Winningist. Dictionary. Informal North American. Having achieved the most success in competition.
0: Informal and North American. Nah. No.
1: Uh, but there you go. So that, I thought that in mean, Don Carlo, he's the man in Yeah, it? he's clearly he, you're
0: the, a, the don of the competition.
1: And Mbappe, do you see this one? So this one, at twenty-three years, ten months, and thirteen days, uh, Mbappe is now the youngest player to score forty goals in the Champions League history, overtaking. As a question, uh, Messi. Correct. Uh, Lionel was twenty four year twenty four four months and eight days when he scored forty goals. Ridiculous. Incredible! And it's almost as
0: if they're playing the same team. So good luck to whoever draws them. But well, I mean, that's a,
1: that's fair play isn't it to that. I mean, again, I think everybody knows what a player uh, uh, Mbappe is. But when I saw that, I was like, that's some record to take. That I quite like to see City versus
0: PSG. I, it's one of those games I always want to see Liverpool versus City in final. I always think that that is the, the Obviously, you'd like to I see. Don't. that. don't. <laughs> <Yeah, well, laughs> no. If you get to a final, that's a success. Um, but I'd always like to see that as a, a final. City, I think, need to avenge. Didn't they lose to PSG? Or did they beat them? Who knocked them out last season? Madrid won it.
1: Yeah, and it was Spurs the year before when, when because that was the controversial yeah, one and they got I, to the final.
0: I think it might be City's year personally, but um, we'll, we'll see. Um, But that's it for this week's episode. Um, I think I've enjoyed myself a little bit more than you this week. But uh, thanks for listening as always, and uh, we'll speak to you next week.